This time on episode 327 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk Jessica Jones, season 2, episode 11, aka Three Lives and Counting, and season 2, episode 12, aka Pray for My Patsy, and we talk weekly Marvel news. I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director S.P. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Sunday, April 12th, 2020, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast worldwide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat and chat with us as we record. Ladies, happy National Licorice Day. Okay, so red licorice for me, yes. Black licorice, not a fan. That's an important note. Even though the day is called Happy National Licorice Day or National Licorice Day, it was originally designed for black licorice, which I'm not a fan. Twizzlers, licorice or no? Uh, it's more like candy. It's a candied yeah. licorice. Yeah, there's, I forget the brand, but it's like Australian red licorice. Super good. So National Licorice Day came about in 2004 when the Licorice International, in coordination with the National Confectioners Association, designated April 12th as National Licorice Day. And the company... Licorice International offers nearly 100 types of licorice from all over the world. Good. Yeah, I, I guess it's a PR move to get people to try to eat some nasty-ass flavors, but, you know, it's, some of it's good. I think this is part of the National Day calendar selling out. I think that's <laughs> part of it. Do you think that they have, like, they take money like Guinness Book of World Records does? Oh, absolutely. <sighs> Why would you not? It's all big calendar. Yeah. It's all just the, about the money. Anyway. Yep. Now that we've denigrated the wonderful National Day calendar that we have been going for this for years, let's move on for the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the multiple Marvel small screen series, and the Marvel cinematic and comic book universes in general. Because of imaginary David Tennant's. If you would like to talk to us about the amazing David Tennant, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. You can send us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. Find us on Facebook, Legends of Shield Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Legends of Shield. Watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash geek. Tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GonnaGeek.com network. 
Agent Haley isn't with us here today. I suspect that she is still having hardware trouble, so we're hoping to see her next week. In the meantime, let's get on with our penultimate Season 2 Jessica Jones episode. And here we go. Jessica Jones Season 2, Episode 11, a.k.a. Three Lives and Counting, and Season 2, Episode 12, a.k.a. Pray for My Patsy, premiered on Netflix March 8th, 2018, just over two years ago. Michelle, who is the creative team behind, a.k.a. Three Lives and Counting? This episode was directed by Jennifer Lynch, who has 42 directing credits starting in 1993, including three episodes of Psych, one Warehouse 13, four Teen Wolf, one of The Last Ship, Two Salem, one Jessica Jones, one Agents of Shield, two Elementary, one Daredevil, and five episodes of 911. This episode has two writers. First one, Lisa Randolph, who has 10 writing credits starting in 2002, including two episodes of The Shield, seven Being Human, four Rain, two Star Trek Discovery, and four episodes of Jessica Jones. It was written by Jack Kenny, a 14 writing credits starting in 1987, including two of the Secret World of Alex Mack, six Dave's World, three Titus, three Book of Daniel, seven episodes of Warehouse 13, two Falling Skies, and three Jessica Jones. Okay, little known fact, I have recently delved into Star Trek Discovery. I know, I know, a lot of people have said, SP, you have said that you're not going to get CBS All Access because you refuse to pay for it. Well, when Patrick Stewart came along and gave a free month out to everybody to watch Picard, I went ahead and picked it up. And after I finished Picard, I decided, well, let's get through Discovery. Now I'm most of the way through season one of Discovery, and it's okay. I'm glad I didn't pay for it, but it's okay. So I think, Michelle, you're watching Discovery too, or you have watched Discovery? When I got like a free week when Discovery just finished. And then when the new month came out, it's for new people. So I used a new email (laughs) (laughs) and I got the free month. First off, my mom watches the good fight, the good wife spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She watches that. And then she watched Discovery. She watched both seasons. I just started season two of Discovery because I just binged Picard. So I got finished with Picard this weekend. Well, I got to hurry to get through it because it's about 15 episode seasons and you just can't do that one a night and get through the free month. So I'm trying to do at least two a night. I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. So we'll see. It's a, it's a race. I'll let you know <laughs> when I get to the 25th, whether or not it happens. It's the 12th now. So I, I got to pick up the pace a little bit here. Uh, Lauren, have you seen either Picard or Discovery? I have not, but... My friend who's coming over for dinner. I know social distancing, but we only see each other. And she's not coming from that far, but we're having Easter dinner together. And she loves Picard, loves Discovery. So we're going to borrow her login. <laughs> and then because there's a bunch of other stuff that I want to see on there, I'm pretty sure that whenever the new season of either comes around, we're going to be buying it for at least a month. But yeah, right now we have so many, you know, we have Hulu, we have Amazon, we have Netflix, and it's like, <sighs> I know. One of the things that I'm glad I got the three month for is you could have chosen the 
commercials or the commercial free version. And since I wasn't paying it for it anyway, I went ahead and chose the commercial free version. I'm so glad I did. I can see where the commercials will be in both Picard and in Discovery, but I'm so glad that I don't have to go through them because I would be more more than aggravated having to pay for the service and watch commercials because that's the whole thing about the service that I didn't want to do anyway. I didn't want to have to pay for something that I believe should be on TV anyway. But after watching it, I mean, it's higher production value than... I would have expected from a TV, so I kind of get it, but if it's going to be the only thing, then at the very least, it only deserves like a month of your money, and then you get out of it and do something else. But they're transitioning out of CBSL Access into some sort of Warner Brothers larger package that should be out later this year, so we'll see. Anyway, I completely derailed us. I'm sorry about that, but Lauren, why don't you go ahead and run down the creative team for Pray For My Patsy. Sure thing. This was directed by Liz Friedlander, who has 65 directing credits starting in 1995, including four episodes of One Tree Hill, one of Pretty Little Liars, three of The Vampire Diaries, four of Sleepy Hollow, one of The Gifted, one of Jessica Jones, two of Tell Me a Story, and two of The Rookie. And this episode was also written by a team. First off, we have Hilly Hicks Jr., who has seven credits starting in 2002 including one of Army Wives, three of The Big C, six of Chicago Fire, one of Feed the Beast, and six of Jessica Jones. And the other writer is Raelle Tucker, who has nine writing credits starting in 2004, including two of Eyes, eight of Supernatural, 11 of True Blood, two of Jessica Jones, and two of Sacred Lies. And Jessica Jones is based on the Marvel comic of the same name by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos. Hey, Lauren, a.k.a. Three Lives and Counting, what is the theme of the episode based on the title? I could make a joke, but I couldn't think of any. So it's, again, as all the Jessica Jones episode titles are, quotes from the episode. This one is in reference to the number of people that Jessica has killed. Because we pick up with her having just killed... Dale. Dale, that's his name. I knew it started with a D. I was like, Dennis? No. But Dale, the really terrible, sadistic prison guard, and after him, well, he's, again, her third life that she's taken. We started with, I forget her name, in season one, Luke Cage's ex-wife, then Kilgrave himself, and now Dale. It's a lot for her. It's so much for her that she starts seeing somebody that I'm glad we had a chance to see on screen, but I know she was not glad at all for seeing in her head we'll get to that in a second so michelle what is the theme for pray for my patsy well trish ends up in the hospital and dorothy oh dorothy she gets stopped by a reporter the reporter is just well take control of her narrative and dorothy spins a tail and of course instead of saying pray for my daughter or pray for trish it's pray for my patsy yeah, she's definitely looking at uh, spin there, so we'll get into that. So, of course, Jessica Jones does take the life of Dale. We talked about it last time. Dale probably deserved it, if anybody deserved it. And she has to get rid of the body. She gets rid of the body, and then all of a sudden she sees a slow clap applauding Kilgrave, a.k.a. David Tennant. And I 
thought maybe this might be in and out throughout the rest of the series, but it was focused on this episode. I don't know if we'll see David Tennant in the final episode or not. I would think not, but I think he did a, a wonderful job of playing a cross between Kilgrave and like a detective himself, which is very much the Doctor Who character. So he was seen in her mind and she was bringing him up. I want to ask you ladies, what did you think of that? Because it's obviously coming from Jessica. It's not coming from an external force. Lauren, what did you think about the whole thing? He's very obviously the externalization of her guilt, her shame, just like every negative emotion that she has. It's the little voice in your head that tells you that you're a terrible person and you're doing bad things. Except that because this is TV, we can have a visualization of David Tennant doing it. Which is not to say that you can't have hallucinations because people do have hallucinations. But because it's TV, we're assuming they're taking some liberties. And I didn't realize he was going to show up in person. I had seen, you know, oh, David Tennant as the voice of Kilgrave. And I figured it was going to be kind of what we've heard to this point, just like the little whispers every now and then. But having him show up as a full head Kilgrave, hey, they're going to do a BSG marathon on sci-fi soon. Yay. But having that, it's, again, bringing back that dynamic back in from season one, the very antagonistic you know, he's manipulating her. But in this case, we, the audience, know this is the externalization of her own mind trying to protect itself, trying to accuse herself. Yeah, she's just having a rough time of it. Yeah, who do you think would win in an externalization fight between David Tennant and Baltar? Who? <laughs> 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 it's the head Baltar too that I'm talking yeah. about, not the Baltar, because that was an externalization as well. Okay, so are we going head Baltar as an actual angel, or are we just going hallucination Baltar? Let's stick with hallucination. Okay. Make it equal grounds here. In that case, Kilgrave. Kilgrave is I mean, Baltar was just kind of a slimy guy, but it was all self-preservation. Kilgrave, though, is just malignant he ruins lives because he's twisting things for his wants and he knows that he's doing it there's no attempt to like scramble out of it and thus make things worse like baltar did it's just straightforward i want i take i don't care and listener if you don't understand what we're saying in the spring of 2020 sci-fi channel skiffy has actually gone ahead and and streamed all of the Battlestar Galactica 2003, I think technically the series started in 2004, but the miniseries was 2003 of Battlestar Galactica, we call it BSG, and you can find all about Baltar by watching all five seasons of that, so have fun with that. I thought it was only four seasons. Well, they broke up four. Into yeah, it's, there was like three, 3.5. Yeah. So Michelle, how did you like the multiplicity of Kilgraves? Here you have Jessica. If you notice all throughout this season, she's been saying, I'm not a killer. I'm not a killer. I'm not a killer. And then all of a sudden, she's a killer. And the trauma that triggers, and I think it's interesting, it's not Kilgrave, because Kilgrave's dead. It's that section of her mind that Kilgrave occupied 
combined with all of this stress that she's dealing with and she's having racing thoughts throughout this whole thing what am i going to do how am i going to do i call the cops do no okay you know he's there no make it look like a suicide and all this sort of deal and it's a callback to a previous episode where she's just like let me think let me think and she has all these thoughts and it's interesting about how it just it becomes all these kill graves it was fascinating watching david tennant play the kill grave that jessica has in her mind that is actually constructed of part of Kilgrave, but all of those extra demons. I thought that was very fascinating. I just enjoyed it. I was wondering where it was going to go, but I, I enjoyed it. And then at the very end, he's like, oh, I'll be here if you need me sort of thing. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll see if we ever see him back again. But I thought at that point, we might be done for the season, especially that was her way of saying, I don't need you anymore. Get out of here. Well, it's her saying to that part of your brain when, well, whether you call them demons or gremlins or brainworms. Yeah, brainworms, <laughs> whatever you call them, that's what Kilgrave. She actually has a face and a body for hers. It's Kilgrave. And it's that part of her brain going, well, if you need to go down this dark, troubling path again, this complete self preservation flight mode is that combination of like she's fighting but she's trying to retreat as well i'll be here when you you know have another break in your brain i'll be here it's it's like a poisonous coping mechanism almost anybody who's ever had those like horrible invasive thoughts you think it'll go away and then all it takes is just a low moment and they're back i don't remember who i saw say it but there was somebody who's saying there's like a solace in being at your rock bottom. It's like a horrible thick blanket to pull over yourself. And it's not healthy and it's not helpful, but it's the devil that you know. And I think he is the devil that she knows. I thought it was interesting that she was speaking to herself, basically. And Kilgrave wasn't there in person. And what I thought was interesting with that is it was in the middle of New York City. And people are actually looking at her weird. Like, this is something that is not expected. She's got big, poofy hair. She could have one of those AirPods, those Apple AirPods, you know, without (laughs) any wires or anything in her ear or ears and it covered by her hair, which completely covers her ears. And she could be talking to. I don't understand what the looks are for because. Yeah. Two things. First of all. Everybody I know who's ever lived in New York for any amount of time is like, no, you just you keep walking. You, you pay it no mind. People yelling at themselves is just like a dime a dozen. And having visited New York, I mean, yeah, kind of. And the other thing is, I was when you said that, I started thinking of that meme from a few months ago. The Oh, God. Oh, frack. They can't hear us. They have their AirPods in right before something like terrible happens. Now, I, I can't remember when the AirPods came out. This was created in like filmed in 2015 it was released in 2016 so i can understand maybe the airpods not being there bluetooth has been around for a very very long time and she could have had bluetooth in her ear so it doesn't really i just 
realized I might have made a little faux pas because of, of years since we're actually podcasting about this in 2020 and it came you out. You can still have just the small little in earbuds and then, yeah. I mean, I used to do that, you know, you just kind of hide them and get like a dark colored one if you have dark hair and then if you have longer hair, it goes over that. Okay, so this was filmed 2017, 2018 because this is season two. AirPods came out in 2016, so it's completely reasonable that she could have had somebody, even though she's got an Android phone. I get it, people. 2016? Are you serious? Yeah, first generation released December 13th, 2016. Second generation, March 20th, 2019. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, right? Anyway. Uh, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) That is uh, what I thought of there. Like, I don't understand what the looks are for. I was born in New York. You don't, you get that sort of stuff all the time. Anyway. Now, one thing that I have not had experience with ever is I've never used a dating app. Nope. Never used Tinder, never used anything like that because when I was dating was pre-existing of smartphones. Got married after smartphones really came out. However, I realize that a lot of people use them. I realize a lot of people use them to hook up that are even married or in committed relationships, whatever. I, I, I get all that. I have not used one. It was interesting to me to know that you could use it with multiple people to triangulate somebody and therefore breach the lack of privacy on the phone. So there's this phenomenon that's been happening since cell phones became a thing, and especially since smartphones became a thing. Writers for TV, for movies, for books, because, you know, we're all basically of the time we came of age in, part of your mind stays stuck back there. So there's always, I think TV Tropes has a page for it of like plots that just ignore the fact that phones and the internet and smartphones and everything exist. One thing that I really like about Jessica Jones is, and all the Marvel shows actually, is that not only do they exist, but they can be a plot point. I've never used Tinder or anything, but I do know that, you know, Tinder, Grindr, etc. They have like, oh, so-and-so is this far away from you. And again, Jessica is a detective and we get to see her being a detective because, yeah, she's tough, but she's also smart. And you got to learn how to do these things. And Michelle, particularly, I was really I was laughing at some of the conversations she was having with some of these women because they seemed to be fine with Jessica actually talking to them about I mean, So how'd you get my number? Where is this from? You know, I'm talking to you from this app and I'm trying to find out where Malcolm is and, and I'm concerned about him using again, you know, he's, he was a a recovering user and, and I'm concerned about him. I don't think those conversations would really happen. Am I off base there? No. Yeah. Jessica has a way of, we've seen it all season of being able to pick up a phone, which is something I'm awful on the phone. Here's someone who's awful in person, in interpersonal, but but she gets on the phone and she can lie about being someone's driver and needing to pick them up, or I'm going to give somebody an award. Can you give me a quote about them? Her being able to use what she knows about Malcolm and the way she can phrase everything you know, she kept going, I'm afraid for him. I'm afraid he's going to go on a bender. I'm afraid he's somewhere. Oh, gosh, I just don't want to see him be awful. The way she was phrasing everything, 
it's like, oh, of course I, I need to help because I want to help Malcolm, even though we may have hooked up once and he forgot my name. But this is, I don't want somebody to die because I decided not to, you know, talk about them. And again, we're talking about this in the spring of 2020, and, and this was filmed in late 2017 or late 2018. Since then, actually, it's always been a thing, but since then, privacy has been a huge issue with all these apps and the, the data that they collect, particularly with like Google and, and Apple, but any app. Now, privacy, I mean, we have the, the whole privacy law in Europe. You have California having a privacy law. and now, just in the last couple of weeks, they're talking and implementing in some countries apps that will track your exposure, your potential exposure to other carriers of COVID-19. And there's a big deal about privacy. How long is that information going to be sustained? How are they actually tracking that information? Is it by your position? No, it's actually proximity of devices. Well, somebody could go into that data and isolate an individual. I get all that. So I just want to say that I understand the privacy issues that are going on with just data in general and cell phones. However, this was done a couple of years ago. This series was done a couple of years ago and people were more trusting with that information. A couple years Even ago. with that though, all it takes is a little know-how of where to look. I personally have a friend of a friend we thought was in danger and about half an hour, I'd track down their name and address. I mean, on very little information, all you really need to do is know where to look. And again, like Jessica does, if you have to talk to a person, you just kind of have to feel them out. This is not advice. This is not advice. This is just an explanation. At least you said feel them out versus feel them up. Hard to do over the phone. You know, don't be like Malcolm and Jessica by going into each other's computers and into each other's locations. And she was upset with Malcolm, rightfully so, because she figures out that he went into a computer, found out, and is helping Trish. And she feels betrayed because she told her mom, Trish has nothing to do with Carl. And then all those awful events happen, but we're not there yet. Yeah, and then that ultimately leads to Malcolm officially getting fired and officially quitting, although we'll see what happens in the last episode. But this was something that was building all season long, and there was a lot of, you're fired, but he comes back the next day. And I think this is more permanent, and I think he understood that, which is why he said he quit. But we'll see what happens. Talking about privacy and surveillance, I thought Trish was really naive when the fan took the photo of them and she didn't give it a second thought now she's hopped up on the remnants of the drug i guess or in withdrawal and, and just isn't thinking straight i get all that but i mean she should have thought that if somebody's going to take a picture that that could lead to bad things yeah it's i wouldn't say naive i would say like you said very distracted Again, she's a junkie desperately looking for her next fix, and people with addictions will overlook things, go through all sorts of lengths as long as they see that next hit in front of them. Like we were just talking about, about the use of modern technology in the show, the fact that there was that fan who 
put up the picture and then it ends up online. That's a big concern. Tracking people via, you know, Instagram posts and stuff like that. That's a big concern. And in this case, instead of leading to a stalker, well, I guess it kind of does lead to a stalker, just of a different kind, you know? Yeah, the assassin stalking. Yeah. And talking about Trish, she is definitely wanting to gain some superpowers. And it was interesting that she later divulged why. She was talking about how she had felt helpless in the midst of everything, uh, in the midst of an abusive mother or a controlling mother, in the midst of Jessica having superpowers. She didn't say abusive uh, director, but that could also have been there. I mean, we talked about that earlier in the season with her director was uh, very abusive to her and uh, she wanted to not be helpless anymore. And she really wanted to do this. It turns out. And if we were living in this world, I could see this too, that there was a bunch of back alley doctors trying to replicate superpower serums. And Carl agrees to give her a superpower really because I think he just wanted to see if all of his, assessments over the years decades really had improved and he was all for actually doing it even though knowing the risk and trish knew the risk as well i don't know if trish was thinking clearly if she would have gone through with it or not but she wanted to so let's talk about that let's talk about trish and her desires and let's talk about carl and his desires and his wishes so michelle who do you want to pick carl or trish all season long Trish has been talking about how she's wanting to be the hero, told Jessica that she needs to start helping people, needing to feel special. Dorothy even mentioned about how Trish needs to be something more. And even before the inhaler, Trish has wanted powers. There was even hints of it in the first season. Trish has been jealous of Jessica about it. It's really interesting about how there's that whole saying about the grass is greener on the other side. Jessica has been, even though Dorothy's an awful mother, at least Trish had a mom. But Trish is like, you're a superhero. You need to go out there and save everybody because that's what heroes do. And I would be a hero. I want to be a hero. I am not a fan of Trish. Yeah, she's been making it very hard to have sympathy for her lately. So, Lauren, uh, you've been known as the lab rat. Would (laughs) you go underneath Carl and his experiments here? I was about to say, oh, hell no. But I've made it no secret. I have a chronic condition that causes me a lot of pain. In fact, I've missed the past several months of recording because at times I couldn't even sit up. So if it was, hey, we have this experimental procedure that might fix this, I might give it a second thought. But I feel like there's a difference between wanting to not live at like an 8 out of 10 on the pain scale and wanting to feel special. And I also, when we were talking, when you were mentioning about how Carl was kind of like, well, why did he do this? I think you could also view him as another addict. In his case, he's addicted to the theory of it all. And he doesn't have his 
lab rat there with him anymore. I mean, yes, they were married. Yes, he loves her. But I also think that on another level, she was an accessory, a prop, a victim. And again, it's one of the things that this show does so well, but also makes it very hard to watch, is the intersection of different kinds of abuses and the cycle of abuse. And it's what Trish does, I think she sees as trying to break that cycle. She wants to be powerful. She wants to be the center of attention in a way that is all about her and not about her mother. And in reality, she's just using that to kind of wreck the lives of the people around her. Jessica, Malcolm, Alyssa. Yeah, Carl definitely had made a conscious decision to close down the clinic because he felt like he was being abused by the system, you know, the doctors, the military, whatever. And he wanted to help humanity. And he was focused on that. Help Alyssa, help humanity. Very focused on that. And that seemed to blind him of all the other issues that might come out of his, especially what happens with Trish. I mean, the whole thing happens during the procedure where Jessica comes in the middle of it. She stops the procedure. I don't know if she would have stopped the procedure if he would have been able to save, if Carl would have been able to save Trish or not. So I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking the procedure wasn't working for a lot of different uh, variables and it was doomed from the start personally, but Carl was blind to that. He just, okay, let's do this. Let's see what we got because this was, was his one chance within 15 years or whatever it was in order to actually do something. So I think he's blinded to it. So a lot of really horrible stuff comes from very good intentions. There are so many experiments back in like, you know, the forties, the thirties, the fifties of scientists who wanted to make child rearing better. And you had things like the Skinner box. You had things like that experiment where they took monkeys from their mothers and put them in like with a mesh mother in kind of the approximate shape of a female chimpanzee. And in some of them put like a layer of fur on it. And those monkeys would just cling to that fur until they died because they wanted human contact. There was, you know, just every generation has its different oh, this is how you need to do it to lessen the trauma on your child. And so much of the attempts to lessen trauma end up increasing it because there's things that we don't know about. And I think that Carl might have had just, he might have had the best of intentions. He wanted to fix people. He wanted to heal people. He wanted to improve people. But as we've seen, all of his experiments have been flawed. He just... Again, it's that and you end up ruining lives, even with your best of intentions, because you don't have all that information and because of the human element to things. Jessica's a victim. Trish is a victim. Alyssa's a victim. I think even Carl, to some extent, is a victim because of his own naivety in regards to that. I don't see him at this point of the information that we have of being malicious which is a change compared to the actual character Carl Malice in the comics, who's, you know, an evil mad scientist who gene splices people and it's, it's all bad, but it's still, things just end up poorly. Okay. So we have a lot of experimentation going on. And just because I recently watched a Nova episode that had some experimenting going on, 
the Caledonian crow experiment, malevolent or benevolent? I don't what remember. Is it? Yeah, I don't oh, remember which that is. Something that you do. Okay. So there was testing the brain power, the Caledonian crow, and they taught the crow different things in order to get, tr- it's amazing. I'll send you a link. I'll put the link in the show notes to a couple of YouTube videos that I saw about the Caledonian crow experiment. Totally sidetracked there. Uh, let's move on to Alyssa. At the end, she sees the news report of Carl basically being killed in the major explosion or fire of the clinic. And she gets fixated on who she thinks was the cause of it, which was Trish. And in order to get to Trish, she's got to break out of prison. And in order to break out of prison, she kills this really nice guard that took over for Dale. Uh, They don't know what happened with Dale all this day yet, but so Alyssa ends up killing her. And then I don't know what else she did to get out of prison, but uh, basically did her superpower thing, knock down doors, whatever. It was very focused on getting out. A very powerful escape and kind of the escape that you would see from like a, a monster as they're getting out of their cage. That was very powerful and telling of where we're going to go in the next couple of episodes. Anything you want to say about her fixation or her escape, Michelle or Lauren? I think it's interesting that Trish Chalk's posters were already being torn down. It's one of those things where Carl could have said no to Trish. Trish could have been like, maybe I shouldn't have superhero powers. Carl choosing to end his own life over leaving, like he said, he was going to giving Alyssa hope. He basically doesn't even think of Alyssa at the end. He just thinks about himself, which is interesting. Of course, Alyssa's going to think that it's Trish. It's also compounded by the fact that Jessica said Trish wasn't involved. So Carl is gone. Jessica, she feels Jessica betrayed her and was covering for Trish. She had to get rid of Trish, not only because she hurt Carl, but also she's supposed to be hurting Jessica. Fortunately, Jessica was able to get through to her. But then the cops come and poor Sunday. I liked Sunday. The two detectives were, I mean, they were antagonistic towards jessica but sunday didn't deserve to go out the window like that yeah it's again it's misplaced grief misplaced rage Alyssa saw that broadcast and again there was that picture that was taken earlier in the episode of trish in the same car as carl so because we've seen all season that when she's in her rages she's not thinking straight So her mind just makes the association. They were the last one seen. The news says there might have been, you know, a connection there. And in her grief, yeah, she does become monstrous. She kills someone. She busts out. And yeah, like you said, a very horror movie way. Even when we see her at her most, I wouldn't say sympathetic, but pitiable, maybe. When she's cornered, she's panicked. Jessica's trying to reach out to her. She's desperate and she still jumps out the window. I don't know if she knew that she would survive. I don't know if she was what she was planning, but she lived and Officer Sunday didn't. So that's another tally of people that she's killed 
possibly without meaning to, but, you know, cool motive, still murder. I'm not sure if Alyssa would have survived the fall on her own or not, but I got the distinct impression that she used Sunday as a cushion as she was landing or maybe disengaged from Sunday on the, on the way down. And Sunday had no way to survive that fall that, that was yeah. not going to end well. And it was very graphic when they, they didn't show that the actual impact, but it was very graphic when they showed the aftermath. The aftermath. Let's talk about Jerry Hogarth because Carrie Ann Moss has been busy trying to get her stuff back and it's not just getting her stuff back. There's an ulterior motive going on here, but her way to get to it is to get her stuff back and find out where the stuff's been pawned because, of course, you steal stuff, you got to get rid of it somehow. Let's just pawn it off and then go from there. I was interested in her what she was doing, her methodology until I realized later on what was going on, which kind of, maybe we will see Foggy back because she might need Foggy here in a second. So a couple things about this whole sequence. One, if you've ever been robbed and you've had to start calling people after the fact, it's exhausting, it's dispiriting, it's not fun. And the other thing is Frankie, the pawn shop owner who eventually you know gives her some of her stuff back is actually played by a trans actress and would this be the first trans actor actress in a marvel property i think so maybe yeah because i know over on dc you have the character in supergirl yeah this actress though i was looking her up on imdb and she's also very notable for being in the um anniversary edition of tokyo godfathers which is an anime as a character who originally they trans culture drag culture in japan very different from here and in the original release was you know voiced by a male character by a male actor and in this version they're like you know what let's actually update it so that the character is trans so they cast trans voice actresses very cool well, you also get Turk. Turk came up, and this is probably the only one scene that we get Turk in the entire series, but Turk has been the glue that has bound this Netflix Marvel universe together. He's been in every single series so far. Well, you got to get your serial number filed off untraceable gun from somewhere. Oh, Turk. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'll need a favor from you sometime, so let's go. Let's go ahead and do this. So yeah, we get Turk, which is great. And I didn't realize what Jerry was ultimately doing until she got Inez in the car. I thought it was just by happenstance that she met with, up with Inez first, but I think that's exactly what she wanted to happen. She wanted Inez to meet up, have a conversation, totally bluff Inez, and then give the gun to Inez and have them take care of each other. Shane did not take care of Inez. So Inez in the future could definitely still come back after Jerry. I think there's a loose end here. I had just assumed, oh, she's going to take the gun and she's going to, you know, threaten them, possibly kill one of them. No, I forgot that Jerry Hogarth has a twisted little mind with twisted little plans and is thinking like eight steps ahead. You know, as SP says, when Inez meets up with her, and she's saying like, yeah, you know, while you were in prison, while you were homeless, 
he's scamming all these women for money. He's getting, you know, more than just the letters. He's getting, you know, thousands of dollars into his commissary account and everything. And considering that Inez has had a very hard life since the whole IGH incident, considering that she spent time with Jerry and I don't think I would say that she trusts Jerry, but there was enough going on there to actually weaken her a little. Like she said, like, hey, you looked at me like this and, you know, I hadn't been touched like that in a long time. Jerry just set it up perfectly when she heard that gunshot go off, you know, barely even a jump. Immediately, she's on her phone just very calmly. I'd like to report a shooting. She was planning this and it's like her items. It's not really the principle of the thing. It's the fact that she let somebody see her vulnerable and then they just use that vulnerability and just stabbed her. So it's like, you've hurt me. I'm going to hurt you back. It's again, cycle of abuse. Here's what I'm thinking, though. Inez is going to rat her out. And this is where I got the gun from. It was from Jerry. Yeah, that doesn't matter. You've committed murder. It doesn't matter why you've done it. Well, probably because it was not. She probably could plead down to manslaughter. Oh, it's yeah, it's definitely it's like a manslaughter. I think I forget which one. I think it's two is the one where it's not premeditated. It's like a right. heat of the moment. Here's the thing. You're taken in. Where do you get the gun? Oh, you get the gun from Jerry Hogarth. Really? One of the most respected yet feared district attorneys. How are you going to prove it? Well, we were in the car. We were talking. Why were you talking? Oh, I helped Shane, who I just shot, scam her out of hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stuff. It's one of those things that the more Inez talks, the more Inez looks bad. Yep. And I think that with that amount of money of goods stolen, the prison sentence might actually be longer for that than for man too. Yeah, because you're moving up into the millions of dollars that Jerry could probably list off as being stolen, at least hundreds of thousands of dollars. I know a felony is $2,000. That's the the low bar. Yeah, this was so much, like the bag alone is worth way more than that. And yeah, again, I'm not familiar with the penal code in New York State, but I'm pretty sure that she would probably get more time if she just said, like, I was mad and I shot him in the heat of the moment, or if it was like saying that it was self-defense, anything like that. Yeah, I get what you're saying where it would be worse for her to do it. But Jerry is taking an awful risk, especially with gun laws in New York City. It's a very calculated risk, though. And as we've seen, Jerry's a very calculating person. And nobody knows the law better than lawyers. I have several friends who are lawyers, including a DA in New York City. And there's actually, you know, that that show how to get away with murder. Yes. Yeah. It, it's because there's basically a class that's kind of that. I mean, it's, you know how I'm like, no, this is not advice. It's very much that like it's here is how people escape loopholes and stuff like that. Very fascinating stuff. I did not go to law school, but secondhand knowledge of. Yeah, I've got a friend who's a lawyer and apparently in the state that I'm in. The speed limit is, there's no actual law for the speed limit. It's more of a guideline. So whenever lawyers who know the law get a speeding ticket, that's what they bring up. 
I was going safe for the conditions, even though it was above the suggested speed guideline or whatever. I've heard of a lot of lawyers getting off onto that. So whatever. Yeah, the legal system is fascinating and very twisty. And I do not have the right memory for it or the temperament. Okay, the last thing that I want to bring up to talk about is the Jessica Jones and Alyssa mother-daughter moments. You had the moment within Trish's hospital room in which Alyssa ends up falling off with Sunday. You also had the moment in Trish's apartment where uh, they meet and, and Jessica is basically knocked out. And then they get into the RV, which Alyssa has stolen, which... How easy is it to steal? I mean, can you even call that stealing the RV? I mean, basically, you left it with the keys in right there. I mean, just can take it and go. Yeah, it's theft, but it's zero challenge theft. Yeah. So anyway, they're taking the the road trip that they've always wanted since this whole thing started 17 years ago, except for Jessica's knocked out, probably tied up in the bed in the back. But then again, I have to bring up Dorothy. Before the first time when you see them with Trish, Dorothy, you know, Jessica is just like, okay, fine, start blaming me. And Dorothy actually has a decent mother moment where she says when Patsy what wants what Patsy wants, she goes out and she gets it. Can't really stop her. It really wasn't, you know, you. And then she looks at Jessica. We're the only family we have now. And then she learns about Jessica's mom being a murderer and all this type of stuff. And she's so upset now. Just boom, just complete 180. It's your fault, Jessica. You need to stay away. Of course, I gave that interview because Patsy is her legacy. I have to protect Patsy's legacy, not Trisha's legacy, but Patsy's legacy. And it's just like, really, Dorothy? Really? Again, everything about Dorothy, it comes down to her, the way that Trish dresses, her career, everything. In fact, when there's a part where she's telling Trish, like, you're the culmination or something like that of like everything I wanted to be just very, again, narcissistic. And again, for a little bit when she's like, oh, I'm your only, we're the only family each other have. It's again, it's all about me. It's what can you do for me? It's uh, drawing attention back on me. And when she finds out, no, Jessica's real mom's in the picture because it's no longer about her, because it's no longer, I'm no longer taking up all this attention in your mind. Yeah, she throws her out on her ass, basically. Dorothy's terrible. With very few characters, we've gotten to a point in the penultimate episode, because that's what we're talking about, the penultimate episode here pray for patsy we've gotten to a point where it's going to be a very interesting finale you've got malcolm that's quit you've got trish that's crashed you've got jessica that's been kidnapped by Alyssa. uh you've got jessica and her mom together which we didn't have at the beginning you have the death of carl and everybody is simpson and, and everything it's been quite the trip so far so with very few characters you've gotten to a point where you're like I want to know what happens. I just remembered when I said about Dorothy making it all about her with Trish. Trish thought she was dying at the time and Dorothy still made it about herself. 
it was, <sighs> I keep thinking it's like, okay, who are the worst characters on the show? Kilgrave, obviously, number one. I feel like Dorothy might be number two because even Jerry, you feel sorry for her because of, you know, the ALS and because she's been betrayed here. I mean, she's still a bad person, but there's that little bit of sympathy. And Dorothy, just every time that we see her, she's just, oh, it's so much worse. It's so bad. I mean, Alyssa is a mass murderer, but she does have brain trauma and she was experimented on. We can only forgive so much when it comes to that. Yeah, I would have to put Dorothy at least at three. Yeah, Dorothy, top three. I sympathize with Alyssa more than her because, again, it's, it's not entirely in her control. Dorothy, just every step of the way, is very consciously making the decision to make everything about her. And, you know, again, however well-meaning in her case, because she wants to live through her daughter, has been ruining Trisha's life this whole time and abusing her emotionally and sometimes physically. And it's, again, it makes me so angry. So I want to just make sure what we're talking about. We're talking about the confines of the Jessica Jones series. We're not opening it up to the Defenders, right? No, just Jessica Jones season one, season two. I can't argue then. All right. You looking forward to the finale episode, Lauren? I absolutely am. Yeah. And Michelle, you finally looking forward to not having to hold anything back? Yes, actually I am. All right. It'd be nice for a change because it's been, I knew all about, Cloak and Dagger, both seasons. So Cloak and Dagger 1, Cloak and Dagger 2. I already watched Runaways, right? Yeah. And then Jessica Jones. It's going to be nice. Yeah, Legion. It's going to be nice. Yep. I'm looking forward to it as well. So next time, we're going to be talking about the finale, season two, Jessica Jones episode, aka Playland. Meantime, we at least have one news article to talk about. Yeah, well, our news article is about Deborah Ann Wall not being able to get work. Yeah, so we know her as Karen Page. She also had a multi, like she was basically in all of the seasons of True Blood. And she's an amazing dungeon master on her show Relics and Rarities on Geek and Sundry. And she just had an interview with Joe Quesada, who is, you know, formerly worked with Marvel on his podcast, Joe Q's Morning Warm-Up. And she said, she got really emotional, apparently. She said, I'm just really wondering whether I'll get to work again, whether anyone wants to work with me again, and whether I still have it, all of those scary things. And part of my brain goes, no, you're being crazy, calm down. But the part of me that loves acting and the problem with being an artist and an actor and any of these professions where you put a piece of your soul into your work is that it becomes a part of your identity. She has had some stuff come out since the end of the MCU, well, of her work with the MCU. But the thing is, apparently it was all filmed like a long time ago. And now with, you know, the whole quarantine and everything, there's not a lot being filmed. And she hasn't had an acting job since the end of The Punisher. And I don't know why, because she's talented, she's attractive, she's smart, she's funny. She definitely deserves a really good career. I'm furious about this, actually. 
a lot of her coworkers have been tweeting in support of her. In fact, Vincent D'Onofrio, Kingpin from Daredevil, said that she was his, one of his favorite scene partners in his entire career to work with because she gives so much of herself back. We're talking about this before the show. I absolutely adored her. And, and I believe my direct words were she has done a heck of a lot with that character. And she really has since episode one of Daredevil on through the Punisher and, and Defenders and everything else. She has been amazing in every single scene she's been in. Sometimes you can, might question her motive, but that's just her playing the character and what she's been given with the character. And it's been very few and far between. And that's the character that you're questioning, not her acting. And she has been just great. So I'm actually scratching my head a little bit, although I don't know when her contract with Daredevil had exclusivity with her until. That's the one thing that, you know, maybe she's only been on the market for so long, but. It doesn't sound like it. Yeah, doesn't sound like it at all. So I've been watching. I've been a fan of her since True Blood. I mean, I had a crush on her. She's gorgeous. Her character's funny. When the show turned into a big trash pile, I was basically just watching to see where her character was going. I've loved her appearances on things like Critical Role. I actually have a miniature of her character that she played on Critical Role. And again, her show Relics and Rarities, where she's the dungeon master. It's so fun and it's so interesting. And it brings like this physical element in. And she brought a bunch of her co-stars in. Charlie Cox was in an episode. She's wonderful at thinking on her feet. And you can see that she's just putting her heart and soul into telling th these stories. And to know that, you know, she got all of this acclaim as Karen Page and as Jessica in True Blood. And that despite that, people aren't reaching out to her. It's, it blows my mind. It's, I already have a low opinion of a lot of the, Hollywood executives and stuff like that. And every time I hear, hey, this talented actor is being completely overlooked, it just kind of drives my opinion lower. Yeah, I, just, I hope she finds work soon. And I know that nobody's being cast right now. I mean, heck, even The Bachelorette has to recast the guys in there. And nobody's being cast right now. But I hope she gets work. Henry Cavill is painting Warhammer miniatures. It's on the one hand, I really love seeing what people are doing to keep themselves busy when they're not, you know, acting. A lot of it is go and you work 12 hour, 14 hour, 16 hour days and you're inhabiting this other character. And then to all of a sudden be back in like normal life. I really love seeing what actors and wrestlers and people like that are doing. And on the other hand, people need work, not just them, but like everyone. Yeah, it's a big deal trying to get the country and the world quite frankly back to work now and well hopefully acting will be part of that where they'll start doing virtual casting for projects and anticipatory of things going forward by the way talking about casting and stuff in 1975 there was this movie from disney by the way that came out marvel is part of disney it came out with an RV in it called Escape to Witch Mountain. Yes. I am pretty sure that uh, there's no way to determine for sure, but I'm pretty sure that that RV was the RV that Alyssa stole. going to have to check that now. Yeah. I just keep thinking of 
space balls. <laughs> Are we there yet? <laughs> Are we there yet? Which Are we there was yet? the bumper sticker on the back of the RV. That made me laugh. So talking about RVs, let's go ahead and hop in the RV and get this one out, all right? Thanks to everybody that's downloaded and listened and watched the show. We really appreciate it. And we are looking forward to your feedback. We'll start incorporating some of the feedback again next time, especially since it'll be the finale. And as we saunter in to Luke Cage. Yep. So send us your feedback. We love hearing from you. Everybody who's tweeted or if you ever happen to jump into our live chat, um, if you are on our discord. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope that we're making your time at home a little bit easier. Yes. Thank you to everyone who downloads us, watches us on YouTube, however you consume our podcast. Thank you for sticking with us, not only during this time in our society, but also during this very long drought for the next season of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., which we still have no idea when it's coming out. None. I am scratching my head over that because it is in the can. ABC has nothing else going on. Just throw it into primetime on like Tuesday night. It yeah, would get ratings. There's so many networks right now that are moving dates forward because, again, people are stuck at home. It's You have a captive audience. So for them, ABC has made a lot of really questionable decisions and not pushing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. into April, I think, is one of them. And not only that, but I think this time last year, we knew when the show was coming back. You know, when networks make announcements on winter premieres and then they start talking about summer or spring premieres. I've heard news about some spring premieres, but nothing, nothing. Crickets. Stages of S.H.I.E.L.D. ABC, get your crap together. I think part of it is the people making the decisions are also under stay-at-home owners, so they're having the same issues that a lot of the other industries are in, in actually being able to make those sorts of decisions. However, they're broadcasting, so they have to schedule what is being broadcasted, and I know that they're starting to run out of things that they can brought Heck, Saturday Night Live, I didn't watch it, I didn't want to watch it, but that's the sort of show that I don't want to see. I watched The Deadliest Catch before the catch this week because the season was, I mean, they've already filmed everything and they're just throwing it out there now because it started in October of last year and then it ended within the past month. But most of the episodes have already been chosen and filmed. They had the, I don't know what program that they were using. Let's just call it, they had the Skype episode where you had Mike Rowe that was interviewing everybody over Skype. and. That wasn't so bad, but they included the all, hello, hello, can you hear me? Can you Uh, see me in there? I'm like, that was the worst production ever, ever. Come on, Discovery. Yeah, Tiger King just had a bonus episode drop, I think, yesterday, and I watched it after I watched Jessica Jones today while I was, like, doing dishes, and it was another one of those, like, kind of Skyped in things, but they did the editing on it, and so you don't have that tap, tap, tap this thing on. It's just everybody's there they do their interview on to the next one it's funny that you bring that up because while we were podcasting i got a message from chris chris farrell 
who's my co-host on the Gunna Geek Hi, Show. And, yeah, and, and Mich- Michelle and I used to do Starling Tribune with him. And he posted this, and he doesn't know I'm reading this. So, Chris, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll get your permission later. But he said, Ugh, watching the final episode of Tiger King. Don't judge. <laughs> it's all people on iPhone with AirPods put on screen. I could produce this. Any podcaster has better tools. I mean, yes. Also, people are realizing that your video can be UG, and people don't realize they're learning quickly that, oh, the audio is more important than the video. <laughs> yes. So anyway, back to the original point here is why is ABC not putting on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. final season right now where it could get a heck of a lot of ratings and then they could make all the former seasons available for everybody so they could get caught up and do it. It would be amazing. Advertisers would love it right now. They could even just start doing reruns of like last season in anticipation of, you know, the new one. I'm not so sure that would get the ratings. I think Uh, you'd have to stream it online. But yeah, you could. There's things they could do. The things. Things. So once again, Marvel, I got two great ladies. Actually, at three, just Haley's not here, that are available for your consulting at any point in time. They can write scripts. They can go ahead and be producers, you know, behind the scenes. I don't think anybody wants to direct, but they could be involved with your projects and make them better. Our fees are very reasonable. Yeah, just contact me, StargatePioneer at GunnyGeek.com. I will get you in touch with them and take my 20% agent fee. 10. Agents have 10. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Until next time, I'm Director SB. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunnageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? Right. Can you speak again? Sure. Can you hear me? I can. I turned down my volume. I forget which I was watching. It was really loud and I had to turn it down. But now I have to turn it up in order to hear you. Ah. Because that's the way the rig rolls. I played around with my lighting a little bit. Okay. Do you have extra lights or you just like move lights around in the room? I moved and then I added. I use I'm using a different one. Okay. I've been toying with getting a ring light, an LED ring light around the camera. I have one of those and I have to put it's one of, I actually have to I had to put it up because when I put it right behind the camera, it reflected in my glasses. Oh, of course. So it's bad enough. I got this going on. Yeah, reminds me when I get these redone, probably next year, although I don't know, I probably need new ones. I was on a four year cycle, so I got computer glasses, 
And then I got bifocals or no, I got bifocals and was like, this is not working for work. So then I got computer glasses, which is the one I'm wearing. And when I got the computer glasses, I got the anti-glare on them because I knew I'd be doing this. So I have anti-glare on them too. Doesn't it does only so much. Yeah. And then I got sunglasses, bifocal sunglasses. And then I got movie going glasses or sports watching glasses. So if I'm in a stadium or a theater, I don't have the bifocals that are impeding. So it's been four years since I've had my original bifocal prescription redone and it needs to be redone. And so do my computer glasses. So the trade-off is which one, I guess I got a big scratch in my bifocal. So I need to do that this year. Oh, well. Cause you just have like an overhead light, right? Mm-mm. What do you have? So I've, I've got an overhead light in the room. Right. So that's like the behind the light, but then I've got one right in front of me. And then I've got two that are bouncing off of the white walls. And so it's really four point lighting. And I did that because if I turn off the front light, I'm really shadowed since I'm getting yeah. from the side, but not the front. So I had to add the front light. And then if I turn off the side lights, it's not too bad, but when I've got the curtain pulled and I have reduced light from the, yeah. the top, it really impacts. So I found out that I had to have four lights to do that, to do what I'm doing. now. I only have so many outlets. <laughs> I'm in a, I'm in an old place uh-huh. and like, I have everything. There's only two, there's. There's only one three-prong. There's two three-prong. One way over there and one way over there. I have one of those 20-foot-long corded power strip things so I can actually have my desk. So I can't even really, even if I wanted, even though I can afford maybe like those bigger lights and stuff, I don't think this house could, the house could take it. So or the circuit with what I got. Yeah. The one circuit. I don't look too bad. I don't no. look too bad now. Nope. Not at all. I was having this really big shiny spot. And so I got rid of that and I'm happy. <laughs> Whatever works for you. Yeah. yeah. Now I don't look so, I was really washed out and I had this big shiny spot and I was really tired of that. So I got rid of that. So I, I, I just have to live with the glasses thing. Whatever. Yeah. Power management is a real thing. So in this office, I've got three outlets. I think I've got one behind the computer desk area i've got one against this wall no i've got four got one behind the computer desk one against this wall one behind this credenza that i use as a charging port area and then one behind that bookshelf that is inaccessible i mean i could put something there but i can't so really for my desk i have i mean this is big problems for you i guess but i've Mm -hmm. got two outlets that i can use for my desk and they're rated uh, but they're on the same line as the great room. So actually, like they're watching Amazing Race out there right now. So it's the big TV. It's the sound bar and, and lights in the room, whatever. And then I've got my computer and all of the electronics on them. But at least I have the plugs to go with them. But in addition to all that, I have battery backups. And there are times when the battery back, there's no nothing going wrong in the whole house but the battery backups flip on and i'm pretty sure it's because there's so much power that's being drawn 
from this one circuit that it causes the battery backups to go. Lauren's here. Should I let her in? Hmm, I guess so. You sure? Because she can't hear us right now. I mean, <laughs> let her in. You can say whatever you want. Okay, well. Let's well. let her in. All right. There she is. Hey, Fart Star. How are you doing? <laughs> doing all right. I haven't had a chance to watch that. What's that about? So a bunch of, it was a scientist who was home and bored and got the idea of like, hey, let's do a science thing. There's this book called Does It Fart? And it's just that, <laughs> listing a bunch of animals and some facts about them. And do they fart? No. Yes. Whatever. And the one I got was zebra, which is cool because zebras are also what people with EDS call themselves because of the saying, when you hear hooves don't look for zebras, look for horses. But because EDS is a whole bunch of weird stuff, it's like, okay, we're the zebras. So last night I fought with my camera and audio for a while and then just decided it and did it on my phone. <laughs> sure. So what program do you use to get the audio and the camera to work together? On the computer? Yeah. Well, that depends. I mean, I can use XSplit to go out with XSplit. There's Manicam, uh, there's OBS. Uh, so all of those can be used to identify the camera that goes, the virtual camera that goes mm -hmm. out in the audio. But what program was he connecting well, uh, you on? No, it was just film yourself, oh. send him the MP4 file, and then he uploads it to YouTube. Gotcha, gotcha. Since you have a Logitech camera, I assume you have a Logitech like C920 or something yeah. like that. Logitech has software that you can download that will capture you. Well, first I tried Movie Maker, but because I didn't buy it, there was this huge, you know, watermark on it. Then I tried using the photo editor thing for Windows and I just got really frustrated. Oh, yeah. That's not meant yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. So... Then I just used my camera on my phone. It works in a pinch, doesn't it? It does. And the, the sound quality wasn't even that terrible because I was in here and mm -hmm. fairly close. So, Yeah. I would use, um, if I wanted to use my microphone and my, cam my um, camera, my webcam, Yeah, I would use, and I, I didn't have all, all the rest of the stuff that I have, I would use the Logitech software. And then the secondary one, because it's free, is OBS Studio. Okay, I have OBS. I'm still not great at it, but... Not either. So you create a scene in OBS with the video that comes in, and then to your camera, your webcam, and then uh, audio source your codec, your USB codec. Okay. And that would be what you would record in OBS Studio. Well, you like horror, right? Yes. I don't. Yeah, I. it's hard to find really good horror. That's not just like jump scares. I, I heard somebody saying once that a jump scare in a horror movie is the equivalent of a comedian running up to an audience member and tickling them and be like, haha, technically you laughed. <laughs> yeah. So I've been listening to uh, Daily Tech News. And it's got Tom Merritt and Sarah Lane 
on it. And Sarah Lane has hitched her horse to this podcast. And I can't remember the name of, of it off the top of my head, but it is uh, like everyday objects, the life of everyday objects or something like that. And it's about if real everyday objects were alive, like a can of tuna or something like that. And as I was mowing the lawn yesterday, I was listening and she was saying something about one of the ones she listened to was about a chainsaw. And they went into the chainsaw feeling like it's got a bad rap because it's always considered one of the bad tools used in a horror movie. Yeah. Even though that would totally gum it up. (laughs) So, So she was saying stuff like, well... Yeah, it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Why isn't not like the Texas Handsaw Massacre? So my father-in-law actually, so they live out on a ranch about an hour outside of Austin. And they have been trying for the last, I don't know, seven years to whip the land back in shape because my grandfather-in-law is terrible and just let the land go. So they've been spending all this time nurturing the deer and cutting down the invasive cedar. One day a couple of years ago, while it was a nice day, so they were out trying to, you know, cut and burn some cedar, he was on a slope and on the wrong side of the slope, and the chainsaw slipped. Ooh. Yeah, we're he's really lucky it wasn't worse. He has the, he got this like big gouge in his leg from it. And was he wearing protective pants? By he any- was wearing shorts. Oh, okay. Duh. I don't know. Uh, Some people think that they get in the way. I mean, they're very, very cumbersome. I understand that. But yeah, I do wear the Kevlar pants when I'm chainsawing. Yeah. So a little bit later that year, Scott had to give a presentation at work on safety. So they did. Here's how to handle a chainsaw. (laughs) So the podcast is Everything is Alive, and you can find it at everythingisalive.com. I think I've heard of it. Like the description that you said sounded really familiar. Yeah, the first episode is about a can of cola. Huh. And they recommend starting from the beginning. So I'm watching this on my, on Netflix, but on my Apple TV third generation. And my daughter has one and I have one. And I've been thinking since the third generation is starting to be phased out, like HBO is going to pull its support for the hardware. And honestly, the third generation, while the hardware is still phenomenal, the software doesn't support the firmware, doesn't support a lot of the new stuff that Apple TV does. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, okay, well, I'll just get a newer generation. Well, I'm stuck in the middle of this COVID-19 technical pause because Apple was set to release the new sixth generation one, like right as this hit California a month ago, they never made an announcement. It's out there. They're, they're planning on releasing it, but it hasn't been released yet. And I, I don't know if it's a combination of maybe manufacturing in China with Foxconn, or it could be that all the Apple stores themselves are closed. And they want to wait till they can open up Apple stores so that they can funnel hardware through there or whatever. So sixth generation is out and then all of the, like the cheap refurbished, like fourth generation and fifth generation are gone. So the cost of the fifth generation one is like $200. I'm not going to pay $200 for something that I know right now is obsolete. (laughs) So I'm just stuck in this no man's land where I want to buy a new Apple TV 
to replace the third generation, but I feel like I'd be gypped off if I bought a new one right now. So, <sighs> anyway, hardware issues. All right, we're out. Woo! Hey, chill, ladies. Yeah, and now I'm going to go order dinner. We found out that uh, Taco Cabana has yeah. free margaritas, not free margaritas, but you can order the margaritas. So Easter dinner is Taco Cabana and margaritas. Our state went to uh, take out alcohol as well. Yes. I don't know if it can be delivered, though. That's, that's a good question. I think you have to go drive to go get it in, in Ohio. Anyway. I can't speak for Texas, although I heard Texas disabled the open container law. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, really? Yeah. I think it was, I don't remember one. It's not just for COVID-19. It's. I don't remember. Okay. I had the impression it was just for the emergency here. It's probably just for the emergency, but I wanted to say, I do remember hearing something like a year ago, but I don't remember. I'm probably misremembering. Go ahead and drink and find out. (laughs) Drive and find out. (laughs) Okay. Stay safe. And I will see you ladies next week. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Legends of Shield is copyright 2013 through 2020.